Well, okay, so I started having pain um, in my left side of my rib cage um, a few years ago, and it, the pain continued for about a year and a half. I had an x-ray at the onset, on the onset, but they showed nothing, um, so they didn't really have anything they could do for it. And then about a year and a half after that, um, I was having even more pain, and I was having fevers and everything, so my mom took me to the pediatrician and made them get an x-ray for me, and they found six masses in my chest, um, and that's how they discovered my cancer. That was Mary, and she's an incredible 15-year-old Ewing sarcoma survivor. Next episode, we'll talk to her about her story, but in this episode, my fellow med student Laura and I will be talking about the medical content behind Ewing sarcoma. We'll cover everything a medical student needs to know at a comprehension level any pre-medical student can understand. And before we get into this episode, we just wanted to say that any proceeds from the next two episodes will be sent to an organization fighting pediatric cancer, specifically the Be Positive Foundation. It was started by a man in Delaware whose son lost his battle to acute myeloid leukemia. So with that, I'm Brian Elliott. And I'm Laura Even. And this is MedStead Memoirs. Our book recommendation for this episode is The Emperor of All Maladies. It's basically the biography of cancer, which is a pretty crazy story, like this one guy who correctly thought gastric cancer was caused by bacteria, so to prove it, he drank a bunch of bacteria, gave himself stomach cancer, and then cured himself. Anyway, we won't spoil too much. You can check it out and donate money to fight pediatric cancer by clicking our link to it in the description. Or you can listen for free and donate. Just click our link to Audible in the description and get a free 30-day trial with your first download free. So now we can talk about Ewing sarcoma. It's a specific type of bone tumor within a family of tumors called the Ewing sarcoma family of tumors. Simple enough. And in this family, you have Ewing's, Ewing's sister called peripheral primitive neuroectodermal tumor, and a couple of other types which digress from our podcast today. This family is grouped together because they look alike, under a microscope that is and they share a similar etiology. When you talk about the etiology of cancer, it often starts with one cell that goes haywire and begins rapidly and recklessly multiplying until it forms a tumor. And then the cells spread to other places, or metastasize, and run amok. Cancer can spread first to local tissues or lymph nodes and possibly reach stage four, meaning that it has spread throughout the body. In Ewing sarcoma, the first cell, the one that goes haywire, is still not clearly identified. What we do know is that it's an undifferentiated cell, meaning that it has not decided what it wants to be when it grows up, and it still looks like a baby cell. We also know that Ewing sarcoma, and the rest of the Ewing family, is almost always associated with a specific genetic defect, a chromosomal translocation between chromosomes 11 and 22. So part of the long arms of those two chromosomes switch places. Chromosomes actually do this pretty often, and it's usually no problem if it's balanced or if the overall cell still has the same amount of genetic material. But in this scenario, even though it's balanced, switching places causes problems. Specifically, it forms a fusion protein called EWSFLI1 which causes the cell to keep dividing over and over again, thus causing cancer. So now that we're done with the etiology of Ewing's, we can start to get into the clinical picture of the disease. Typically, question stems present this as a boy under the age of 15. 
It's by no means only limited to boys, but Ewing sarcoma is a little bit more common than them. Signs and symptoms mainly include pain and swelling in a localized area that worsens over weeks to months. It is primarily a disease of the bone, and it most commonly affects the femur, pelvis, ribs, and spine. In the bone, it commonly affects the diaphysis. So, for a little bone anatomy, the diaphysis is the long middle part of bones, as opposed to the epiphysis, which is the end part, and the metaphysis, which is between the two. Anyway, the diaphysis of the femur is a common place to look for swelling and pain in this condition. Then you can also have constitutional or more general symptoms like fatigue, a low-grade fever, maybe some weight loss. These are things common to many types of cancer. If someone has this kind of presentation, part of the workup is getting an x-ray. There you can see something called a periosteal reaction. Sorry, more bone anatomy. But the periosteum is kind of like the surface covering of bones. Due to the cancer, this starts to proliferate rapidly and form layers which give a characteristic onion skin appearance. That's a huge buzzword. The periosteum can also grow out and start to look like a triangle, which of course has a name because in medicine people are obsessed with triangles. It's called the Codman Triangle. Now if you were to biopsy this tumor that you found on an x-ray, you would find small round blue cells. Remember the undifferentiated cell that don't know what they want to be when they grow up? The biopsy is a picture of those baby cells. So now you have the diagnosis, at least on a med school level. Let's move on to treatment. The most correct answer for treatment is that it depends. Cancer treatment always depends on where it is, how severe it is, whether or not it is metastasized, and more. This type of cancer very commonly metastasizes, so you can't just treat it locally. It has to be treated with chemotherapy. The upside is that it responds very well to chemo. Some common drugs you might see in these chemo regimens include dactinomycin, aka actinomycin D, vincristine, doxorubicin, and cyclophosphamide. And because it's so much fun, why don't we run through some quick farm and talk about how these drugs work and some common side effects. Dactinomycin works by intercalating in DNA or wedging itself between the bases and preventing DNA replication, thus preventing cell replication. The problem is that it can prevent the formation of rapidly dividing cells like the ones in the bone marrow. Thus, a side effect is myelosuppression, or decreased production of white blood cells. While we're talking about intercalating, doxorubicin intercalates into DNA and generates free radicals. This can cause myelosuppression too, and possibly cardiotoxicity, resulting in a dilated cardiomyopathy. While dactinomycin and doxorubicin squish themselves in between DNA bases, cyclophosphamide works by binding the DNA bases so tight together that they can't be separated to divide. The big side effect for cyclophosphamide is hemorrhagic cystitis, which is basically when your bladder gets irritated and bleeds. Then there's vincristine, which prevents a dividing cell from fully splitting into two new cells. Its mechanism of action involves inhibiting cellular structures called microtubules, which are also important for the transport of things like neurotransmitters. Because of this, a possible side effect is some numbness and decreased reflexes due to peripheral neuropathy. Well, after that rapid review of farm buzzwords, let's review everything with a quick case study. So a 12-year-old boy presents with pain and swelling on his right thigh. It started a couple of months ago, and it's been getting worse. He came in today because he developed a low-grade fever, and he's begun to feel very fatigued. You obtain an x-ray, and you note an onion skin appearance of the distal femur. You biopsy the mass and expect to find what histological appearance? That would be small blue cells. 
And what chromosomal abnormality would you expect to find? A translocation between chromosomes 11 and 22. And lastly, you start the patient on chemotherapy regimen. Which of the following side effects could occur? Pulmonary fibrosis, hyperpigmentation, or myelosuppression? It's myelosuppression. And unsurprisingly, you got all of those correct. <laughs> and that just about covers it for the medical school content behind Ewing sarcoma. Be sure to listen next episode when we have the wonderful opportunity to talk to Mary. And check out our link to the Be Positive Foundation in the description.